crossbred beef on dairy calves grow faster and have a higher slaughter percentage than purebred dairy calves. Specialized production with no unwanted bull calves is a win for climate, but also for animal welfare. There's a global trend to utilize beef on parts of the dairy herd to minimize climate impact and to optimize profit. One of the increasingly popular beef on dairy breeds is Danish Blue. But what makes Danish Blue so popular for beef on dairy? And what's the Nordic Beef on Dairy Index? In this episode, we have two experts in the field of Danish Blue and data-driven beef on dairy indexes to share their knowledge with us. Renny Vamp Nielsen, product manager for Viking Beef at Viking Genetics, and Anders Fo, manager for genetic evaluation at Sigis in Denmark. This is the breedcast produced by Viking Genetics. I'm your host, Hilke Biesma. Hello and welcome, Anders, Renny. Um, yes. Happy to have you here. Yeah, happy to be here. Good. Your introduction was uh, quite short. What else should we know about you? Well, I have a background as an agronomist. Uh, I used to study in Australia. And uh, I've also worked with cows when I was younger. Uh, so I, I used to milk a lot of cows. Um, and I've been uh, two years in Viking Genetics. And previously I've worked with uh, more management and nutrition than breeding, actually. Uh, so I've worked with the, the whole cattle business. Good stuff. So you know what uh, you know what, what it's about, basically. Yes. Yeah. yes. Good stuff. Anas, what about you? Yeah, well, I, I graduated a lot of years ago, longer than Reni, I think. <laughs> um, so I've worked in genetics for, well, nearly 25 years. Um, so uh, the, the theoretical part, I've worked a lot with breeding. Um, private, I have a, a small uh, beef herd, or had until recently, a couple of Simmental cows. If if that's a herd, then... Uh, All right, yeah, good. A bit of practice. So you're uh, the practical part of it as well. <laughs> yeah, a bit. Perfect, perfect. Reni, um you being the product manager for uh, for Viking Beef and uh, with that Danish Blue as well, um, it's a relatively small breed, the Danish Blue, but there's quite a big demand abroad anyway, or and in Denmark especially as well. How can that be? Well, if we start with what defines the Danish Blue breed, because as you say, it's a very small breed. Uh, it's a line coming from Holland that the Danish breeders have introduced and they're working on easy carving uh, as pr- the, their primary focus. Uh, and that's why it's grown to be such a success on dairy cattle because easy carving is the number one priority for a dairy farmer. Uh, and next to that, it has or the breed has other good qualities. It has a short gestation length, and that's very important in in certain areas of the world where they use especially uh, seasonal calving. Uh, We also see a very good um, young stock survival on the Danish blue uh, calves, Uh, and that's very important uh, both for environmental issues but also for animal welfare uh, aspects. So all in all, a a very good breed for, for beef and dairy. Renny, uh, the the Danish blue or the blue in general has its um, how do you say that challenges? How how do you look at that in from a Viking perspective? Um, this is very important for us to focus on that uh, because we believe that they should be able to have their calf naturally. Uh, the breeders are really working very hard on that for the Danish blue breed. Uh, and we have decided together with the breeders in Denmark that we will work hard on not having any bulls at all 
uh, born via C-section, and we are not buying a bull if the mother has previously had C-sections with her uh, earlier born calves. So that is really uh, a key focus area for us, and that is also a way to ensure that easy calving. Uh, keep working on that, keep uh, selecting bulls for pure breeding as well. Uh, that gives those easy born calves, and then you you sort of like you turn the breed away from those uh, C-section and, and onto the natural birth, with, which is, I think, um, well, animal welfare, we have to have that. How do you know all this? How do you make sure that you uh, have all this data? Mm. Well, in Denmark and the, the other Nordic countries, Sweden and Finland, we collect a lot of data. And those data goes into the bull's indices. So we can see the indices uh, where the, the bull has its uh, good sides and, and bad sides, if any. Uh, and of course, then just breed on the good ones. Uh, so we have a lot of data to back this up. We also have data from the slaughter calf producers, the beef producers. Uh, so, uh, so for the whole uh, value chain. And that that's where you uh, have your you know line of uh, work, basically, on the data side. Anas, tell us, uh, firstly, tell us a bit about what Segus is and what you do there. Mm-hmm. Well, Segus is a, a privately owned uh, research and development organization. So we work in all aspects of, of agriculture, from uh, from plant production to uh, biogas or whatever, and, and also, of course, cattle. So one of the things we do is to estimate breeding values for, for dairy and beef. Um, and we do that on behalf of uh, Nordic Cattle Genetic Evaluation, which is a, a Nordic organization. So basically, breeding values are calculated uh, based on data from Denmark, Sweden, and Finland are used and are used together. And that's quite unique, isn't it? Yeah, well, I think the unique part about, uh, well, the Nordic cooperation is, uh, as Reni said, the, the, the good uh, basic registrations that we have. I think that uh, cooperating across borders is not new. But but I think that uh, really that uh, good phenotypes are really the king. So I think that's where we uh, we have our our great moments in in Nordic cattle breeding. So you collect all this data and um, uh, include it in uh, in an index that's called the Nordic Beef on Dairy Index or uh, the NBDI in in daily um, mm-hmm. terms, basically. Tell us about what that is. Yeah, well, basically uh, NBDI is about money. Uh, it's about optimizing uh, r- revenue from from your slaughter calves based on, on breeding. Um, it's the total merit index where we have uh, production traits, so it's uh, growth and it's carcass confirmation, uh, but also um, focusing, as Reni said, also on on easy carvings and uh, and uh, good survival in the, in the next period. So uh, so it's and it's done very easily in in a total merit index. Uh, in the way that if you choose the best bulls, you get uh, calves that give you most most profit in the end. How unique is that, Lenny? Well, it's unique because of the magnitude of the data we have, I think, because uh, when I visit other countries who also have a beef and dairy program, uh, their amount of data per index or per bull is not any anywhere near the amount of data that we have. How, how much is that data? Tell us about that. How many, how many, how much data is on one bull, for example? Well, it can have like 10,000 calves. It's not unnormal. Uh, the, the top one is currently around 49,000 offspring, uh, which makes his indices. So uh, it's a lot of offspring. Uh, and I know a lot of other companies, they stop at a certain amount of offspring and then they don't register anymore because the data is hard to get. But in our system, it's mandatory. The, both the dairy farmers and the beef farmers are used to this. 
Uh, so they register, uh, and the, the quality of the data is actually quite good. And Danish Blue performs very well in that uh, NDBI, or Nordic Beef on Dairy Index. Tell us a bit about that. Well, uh, as I said, they're an easy calving breed, um, and they have a good um, gestation length, or a short gestation length. That's that's the, the wanted one. Uh, and they also have high indices for... Uh, the young stock survival. And when we look in the Nordic Beef and Dairy Index, because it, it is an index across breeds, so we have the seven big breeds uh, in this index, and we can see the, the top of them is the Danish Blue. Uh, they have so many good qualities uh, to, to fit on dairy calves, or dairy cows, sorry. <laughs> from from a data point of view, Anas, what what's your take on the different breeds? Yeah, well, I think that, that we collect a lot of data on all breeds. We don't really... You can say care if it's a blue or uh, an Angus or whatever. We collect the data and we rank them on the same scale. And just to back up, as René said, uh, Danish blue is doing uh, quite well. Um, I think the important part is that that we have a long tradition in Nordic countries. Sorry for calculating uh, breeding values for for collecting data. And I think that's really the strong part. You can be sure we have rather strict um, limits when we we publish breeding values and... uh, And that's why you can rely on the breeding values. Reni, what are the customers saying? What are they experiencing? Well, the the customers really like the the Danish blue because they say, well, it is an easy calving breed uh, and the calves are easy to manage. Uh, They drink well, they survive, they don't get as sick as other breeds. So a very popular breed because it's easy to manage. I guess that if you're taking care of a lot of calves, the ones that you don't see or the ones that you don't handle each day because they're getting sick or something, they would be the ones that you favor. Uh, and that is the Danish blue. So how is this NBDI, how is it used in practice by the farmers, Reni? Well, we publish it and then uh, four times per year, uh, the ind- indices are calculated. And then it goes on to a daily plan. So he can, together with his uh, breed advisor, choose the bulls on the daily plan. And of course, he can decide what are my limits, what are my criteria for choosing a bull for my herd. So he can say, okay, I don't want any bulls with calving ease below 105, or I don't want this and that. And together they can uh, sort of like um, make the plan for his particular herd. So that's uh, wh- when it's put into use uh, in their daily work. Yeah, and also I think that in, in Denmark we use also the breeding values to to price the calves when you sell from the dairy herd to the to the slaughter calf producer. It's sort of a fair way of uh, of pricing the calf. So I think that has really also have a, an effect on uh, on use of the best bulls because um, well it's it's worthwhile to to pay a bit more for the semen because the slaughter calf producers pay more. How much more is that? Tell us a bit more about that. Yeah, well, it, it, uh, well, it depends, but but I think that uh, between the best blue bulls and an average bull, you have two uh, hundred Danish kroner or something like that. Thirty so, euros, yeah, ish, yeah, yeah. So, so it, it it gives a difference, and it really well, it really drives in the in the in the direction of using better bulls, and I think for the whole sector, it's really nice. So the thirty euros is that then, like compared to a beef uh, crossbred calf to a purebred Holstein bull calf, or how is that? Well, it's it's in relation to the the crossbred, an average crossbred calf, oh, and of course, a crossbred calf uh, has a higher value than a purebred Holstein calf. Reni, how are you using the NBDI in your work then? 
Um, in my daily work, the NBDI index is very important because I select the new bulls for the station uh, based on, on this. Uh, that is, I look at the index for the sire and the, the maternal grandsire uh, in order to choose the right bulls that are suitable for, for beef and dairy. Um, I also use it when I talk to breeders and suggest uh, matings for their high index females. Uh, what, what bulls to use. Um, so I use it a lot in uh, in my daily work. Uh, it has a very high reliability compared to when you look at the pedigree indexes. Uh, they are not as much, um, they're not as reliable uh, yet uh, on a beef bull than the NBI. If he has 10,000 offspring, of course, the index is, well, it has a high reliability. You know, now we talk about Denmark and that there's a lot of use in that in Denmark. Anas, you obviously have your uh, work mainly in Denmark. Which other countries are are looking towards Denmark or the Nordic countries uh, and utilizing this? Perhaps a bit difficult question, you can say, but I think that... The countries that have a nice system like Ireland, for instance, they have nearly the same traits. But I think uh, beside Ireland and, and France also has a good system. I think we, we are in front. I think we have uh, done a lot of work in developing the different traits. And uh, and again, we were blessed having a lot of good registration. So I think that's uh, that's important. I also think that it's important that you use the crossbred calves. Uh, I think in many countries you use purebred indices. And I think that is good. But it's not the same trait. And that's why I think that having a system built on all the crossbred animals, I think that's really nice. And and we have a lot of uh, crossbred animals. I think that it's uh, nearly, or in the future, perhaps 50% of the calves being born in a dairy herd that will be crossbred. So I think it has a lot of value to to do genetic evaluation. And and from my point of view, um, the, the bulls that we have are interesting in a lot of countries, uh, especially the Danish blue. Uh, currently, we are selling to a, a number of European countries as well as Australia and New Zealand, uh, and they prefer uh, the Danish blue. And of course, they look at the, the Nordic Beef and Dairy Index, even though it's not as familiar uh, an index in their country, uh, but they trust it uh, and they can see when they get the calves that, well, uh, it is a, a very reliable index uh, for them to use. Excellent. Now, um, let's have a look at the future. Anas, um, you have a lot of projects going on. Um, one of them is the Future Beef Cross. Tell us about that. Yeah, I think that uh, in relation to beef and dairy, we are looking into a bright future. I think that uh, there will be a lot of uh, interesting uh, research in the future. And of course, Future Beef Cross is one of them. Um, it's a project that started in 2019. Uh, and the aim is to develop uh, genomic evaluation for, uh, for three new traits. And uh, the first step was to to register these traits. Um, and it was, uh, of course, methane emission. That's uh, really important in, in all the world. And, and feed uptake. So we have uh, placed equipment in, in five big uh, slaughter herds in Denmark. Um, and we have a capacity of measuring, well, up to 5,000 uh, calves a year. And I think... Uh, when the aim is to do genomic selection, it's really important to have a nice, uh, a big uh, reference group. Um, the last trait is uh, eating quality. Uh, and a very crucial trait in, in eating quality is intramuscular fat. 
Um, it can be determined by, by chemical analysis. It's rather expensive. So part of the project also is to, to be able to, to do more cheaper uh, estimation of intramuscular fat, perhaps not as, as reliable, but, uh, but it's a trade between uh, cost and reliability. So we have developed a, a camera system where we're able to determine the intramuscular fat in, in the carcass. So I think that's the really three really uh, important traits. And uh, then to have a, a nice reference, we are doing genomic tests of 12,000 of these crossbred animals of uh, three different breeds. So it's uh, Danish Blue, it's Angus, and it's, uh, it's Xiaole. Uh, so, so I think hopefully next year we'll be able to, to do uh, genomic breeding values with a, with a high reliability. So I think that, well... It's an ambitious project, I think, um, but it also are traits that's important for the farmer, but also for the whole society. How much do you think that can be moved, so to say? How much uh, impact will this have? Well, I think that, that it's traits where we don't, we haven't done much yet uh, in, in the Nordic countries. So I think we have a, well, it's traits that where we think we will have a, a nice uh, heritability, but also where we have a lot of genetic variation. So I think that really we have uh, the ground material for making a big genomic or genetic progress uh, using these, these tools. What do you think will have the biggest impact? <laughs> That's a, a difficult question. I think that it will, it will depend on the market, I think. In, in, <clears throat> in the Nordic countries, for instance, I think that methane will be very important. I think that will be um, a game changer because uh, have a license to produce, you need to do something about methane. But of course, for the individual farmer, I think that feed efficiency, because a lot of the, the cost you have on a, on a slaughter calf producer is feed. So I think it will be very important. Uh, if we look into a, a world where we will eat less meat, I think that we will have to eat meat with a higher quality. So I think that quality traits will also be, be important. But I think it might depend on, on the market. So using genomic selection, how, how will that affect the, the whole beef and dairy um, industry? Yeah, well, it affects a lot because it, it means that Rennie can select her bull calves mm -hmm. on, a, on a better basis. Now she will use uh, the pedigree indices, but I think the three um, uh, egg transplant cal calves, they will have the same indices. But using genomic selection, you'll be able to, to detect which one is really the best one. We know that Mendelian sampling has a lot of... Uh, has a lot of power, so I think that it, it can really enhance uh, the genetic progress, and we know that for dairy, that it's uh, it's a game changer. Rennie, what's your take on that? Oh, I look forward to it, <laughs> because uh, having bulls selected with a much higher reliability, of course, would uh, mean a lot to us, uh, not only for the bull station and Viking genetics, but also for the breeders, that they can pick the right one. Tell us how you do your selection today. Yeah, well... We screen uh, the population for high-index animals based on their pedigree index. And from that screening, uh, I look at the animals and see which ones does have um, a good NBDI sire and maternal grandsire uh, with very good indices and with those reliabilities that we cannot get uh, from the pedigree index. Uh, and then if it is a breed where we have genomic selection available, for instance, Shirley, we test them in France. Uh, for other breeds, it's not available, and they, therefore we really hope that it will be in the future. Uh, but based on that, and then we take some, we have tested some uh, monogenetic traits uh, that we don't want, for instance, uh, blindness, ata ataxia, uh, and 
then narrows the list down and eventually end up buying one or two bulls on, on that list. So that's how we do it today. But if we had genomic selection, we could um, get them earlier. We could get them with a higher reliability uh, and it will mean a lot to us. And of course, a lot to the breeders as well, because then they can genomically test their herd, their cows, their heifers uh, and see which ones to keep and, and which ones not to. So, uh, Yeah, and have even a less... Uh, of a climate impact than what it has today, because I guess that's what it's all about, isn't it? The the whole beef on dairy, um, substituting uh, a purebred beef calf with a crossbred beef calf, where the mm. the mother of the calf will also produce something. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, it has a it has a a high value. I I look forward to the genomic selection. So when you test these um, Charolais, for example, in in France, is that on the purebred side then? Yes, it is. And this, how will how will this work then, Anas? <clears throat> well, I think it will it will give you progress. That's for sure. But but it's not as precise as if you do it on on the crossbred calves as your raw material. So I think that that it will give even more when we are we're able to do the genomic breeding values uh, in Denmark or in the Nordic countries uh, for for blue, for instance. I think that well, or any stream, it's uh, we'll we'll handle blue first because we have a, a the biggest uh, reference population for for blue. Anas. What else do you think we can expect from the future? Well, I think we have a lot of traits in the pipeline. I think, for instance, uh, uh, ability to drink and temperament will be important traits. I, they are important for the farmer because it takes time if he has a a calf that won't drink or is difficult to handle. So I think we, we need to do registration for those, and uh, and that will be the next step, I think. Um, of course, health is an issue. Uh, we are using a lot of antibiotics in uh, in slaughter calves and all over the world. So I think that we should look at uh, at health indices. Um, we already now have an index uh, that is uh, that is used, and I think we have to to do better on on those registrations. That's for sure. Then we are uh, looking at dressing percentage. So that's really a sort of an efficient trade uh, because if more kilograms of uh, of weight is uh, is used as uh, can be used to sell to the to the consumer, then I think we have a more efficient animal. Of course, that's it, it tastes a bit like uh, feed efficiency, but but uh, but we need more data and and dressing percentage can help us in that way. So many things, and of course, we need to build a, a genomic uh, um, genomic evaluation on top of, of these uh, of these new traits. And another thing could be, for instance, nucleus herds. So I think that a lot of things will happen in the future. Cut sizes, Anas. How? Yeah, well, because they <clears throat> Belgian blue is sort of the the example where you uh, you have animals that have a lot of uh, meat in the, the expensive places. I think we can do it differently because we also need a calf uh, where the mother can have can give birth. But I think that we need to push all the buttons, and uh, of course, it will be a part of uh, of having this uh, this calf that the producer wants. Rani, what's your take on the future for beef on dairy? Well, the future for beef and dairy looks bright because uh, it's coming uh, into the world like it's uh, being more and more popular, uh, not only in Nordic countries, but also in in the European level and, and actually all over the world. Uh, the farmers are looking to to have more profit. And for the dairy farmer, it means a lot that he can use those uh, lower valuable cows uh, to, to put a beef bull on and then have uh, a more profitable uh, calf at the end. 
Yeah, so what we actually see in Denmark is a, a huge growth, or in the Nordic countries, basically a huge growth in, in the use of sex semen, both on um, female sexed for the best uh, purebred or dairy cows, and then using uh, male sex semen on, on the, the lower genetic pool. Um, and, and maybe that's something we will see for the future. Yes, uh, we can definitely see that the the demand for for we call it Wywick is increasing the the male sex semen. Uh, so definitely, yeah, and it it also makes a more specialized and more targeted product that you have a bull calf that grows even faster than the heifer calf. Uh, so again, better for the environment to have a specialized production. Final question: So, if a farmer wants to have success with the Danish blue, what should what should he focus on? Well, I would say use proven bulls, use the NBDI, then uh, then you yeah go a great length and you can have a lot of success uh, from doing that. What's your take on that, Anas? Well, I think that the farmer should use NBDI. It's a very comprehensive tool and uh, it gives a good uh, basis of choosing the right the right size. Uh, he should rely on uh, on NBDI because it has a high reliability. A lot of good registration is behind, and then he should look forward to also uh, taking climate and resource uh, efficiency into account in the future. Thanks for joining the breedcast today. We've looked at the rapidly growing trend beef on dairy breed Danish Blue. If you'd like to learn more please visit our beef on dairy area at vikingsgenetics.com beef. Thank you, Renny Vamp Nielsen and Anas Fo for sharing these valuable insights with us. Thank you to all of you out there listening. If you have an idea for a topic in the world of cattle breeding that you'd like us to focus on, please visit breedcast.com or message us on the Viking Genetics Facebook page. My name is Hilke Viesma. Please join me for the next episode of the Breedcast where we've invited Amy Hazel Lushke from the U.S. to tell us more about the dairy crossbreeding system called Procross. Amy has a PhD in crossbreeding and has spent many years on research and on why crossbreeding can benefit the dairy farmer and the climate.